Hi, Doug. Hi, Darren. What up? Mm, is anything up? Everything feels so down these days. I know, I know, I know, I know. Including, perhaps, my ability to defend season five of Melrose. This was another one for the shitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So season five, episode 12, Quest for Mother, which was also, also incredibly anticlimactic. The whole thing was a bust. Um, uh, yeah. Let's, um, yeah. I mean, like, let's go through the plots and then let's do our, our big editorializing of everything okay. at the end. Okay. Let's put the horse before the cart, if you okay. shall, if we shall. Okay. So, so cart me. I took no notes. Um, uh, we, I, we start uh, with Michael and Kimberly in the world's most accelerated divorce, sitting with their lawyers, ironing things out. Uh, and, of course, he's trying to get out of paying any money to Kimberly, saying the practice doesn't have a lot of money. Again, I have a lot of questions about how robust or not the practice is and how well it's doing despite whatever may be happening with Peter. Well, his um, attorney says something like Michael's leverage to the hilt and there are t there's a lien on the beach house and there's and I'm and I'm sort of sitting there going but then how can he pay for Megan? Well, that's the next question. Woman? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, like Michael sense. has zero like liquid funding, but he's able to somehow still lead his life and now bankroll his concubine. Yeah, no, made no sense. It was like they threw that part of the storyline. Just they were like, you know, that's not working for us, so we're just gonna kick it to the curb. Yeah, um, and and Kimberly is just trying to facilitate a clean break. She says she wants no alimony. Um, and then we see Michael and Kimberly leaving the law office and Megan pulls up in Michael's car to pick him up and take him away as, as they kind of just move their separate ways. One odd thing we learn is that even though Megan still has this really nice house of her own, that Michael is going to be staying with Matt, which I don't, I don't know what the point of that is either. But um, I do like that Michael is returning to Melrose Place. Well, I think that is what they're trying to do. I'm not sure that they end up getting much mileage out of that, but I do like that. Yeah. We do like get I, a scene that I'll talk about in a second where Michael does have his return. Yes. But, but I, so, so that was sort of a hopeful moment for me, but I guess I shouldn't put much stock in that, huh? I could be wrong. I, just, I don't think much comes from that, honestly. I think there's like occasional banter for a while between Michael and Matt, which is nice, but that alone could still be happening at the hospital. Yeah, it doesn't need to happen. Like, I was sort of hoping, like, Michael would get into more shenanigans at Melrose Place, because now yeah, he's there, really get you back know? into the fold. Like, yeah, yeah. Be, like, do something with Jane again. Have some sort of spat with Amanda. Something, Something right? with yeah. Sid. Something, yeah, like, he's there. He's in the thick of it. Flirt but with Taylor and mess things up further. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but if he's just going to kind of be there as, like, a place to hang his hat, kind of like Matt is at the moment, um, you know, it sort of feels like, what's the point? He might as well have moved in with Megan. Right. In her very nice house that he's yeah. paying for. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, again, don't know. 
Um, and there's one scene where Michael, and this is how I think we initially find out he's moving in with Matt. Um, he comes to the house to pick up some stuff while Kimberly's on the phone uh, with her insurance company. I mean, she's inquiring about like accidental death and dismemberment <laughs> right as Michael walks in. Because she um, wants to leave Michael with a nap she dog, apparently. To, she's, like, she's like doing everything she can to lie to Michael's face and then plot to give him a nice life behind his back upon her death. See, at this point, I don't understand why she hasn't just told him. Right. Dramatically, I don't think there's, like... It's there's like no the writer's instinct is always so to be as conniving as possible, but there's no, there's no reason for this conspiracy. Tell Michael. Like, have drama from the actual confrontation of the conversation. Right. Have Michael... Give Michael a chance to respond where you say, yes, I hired a prostitute to satisfy your needs, and now I find out I'm dying. And let him react to it. Right. Right. And I mean, that's not to say she can't still have this little deal with Megan on the side. You know, she could certainly be backdooring that, like, take care of my husband when I'm dead. You know, right. but but I think the whole thing about divorcing him so that she can die alone, I don't know. It just feels, it just feels completely stupid. It's pretty stupid. It's um, stupid. Um, well, the other thing, there isn't much more Megan, uh, aside from close to the end of this thread in the episode, Michael is at Matt's place and Kimberly is there like in lingerie to surprise, excuse me, not Kimberly, Megan is there in lingerie to surprise him. Megan has no, like, she's not actualized at all in this episode. Megan is only there at this point to be an accessory that gratifies Michael. Like, and we had already built her up to be sort of like an independent-minded woman caught in this odd sort of triangle. But she's like uh, barely a factor in this episode. Yeah, she really is. Although her underwear was nice. She wore it very well. Yes. Sure. I, I actually was sort of like, I was kind of like, oh, I kind of like that collar. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that's the Michael and, and Kimberly and Megan stuff. Yeah, and who cares? Michael's back at Melrose for whatever it's worth. That, that was sort of, like, the biggest... Like, that that was kind of, like, I felt like the biggest reveal of the entire episode was Michael was back at Melrose. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Um, let, I, you know, let's talk about our major players, the Peter and his orbit. Um... And I say it like that because what we keep noticing is that it's not even that Amanda gets the A-plots in the episode. Peter gets the A-plots, yeah. and sometimes Amanda shows up. Yes, that's exactly I mean, that. it is. They spent season four really rebuilding, you know, the Jack Wagner character to make him our new male lead, to be, like, the counterpart to Heather Locklear as our female lead. And now they've just gone beyond that, and they've made it the Jack Wagner show. Yeah. Regardless of what you want to say about the storylines, good or bad, uh, spoiler alert, they're pretty bad right now, um, it's the Jack Wagner show. Yeah. Like, they yeah. can't even separate his scenes. They're usually, like, edited back to back. There's so much of him to deal with. Yeah. And, I mean, and they're, and it's just not interesting. It's sort of like there there's no forward progress here with this storyline. It just feels like we're kind of, like, doing the same thing every friggin' episode. And, yeah. you know, I know we always complain about how sometimes they move 
at warp speed. But it, I mean, it's like this has gone. We've gone from warp, warp speed to I don't even know. Like this is like snail pace, the whatever. Tortoise. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is the tortoise pace. I mean, this is just so freaking. It's like slow. it's like in lieu of giving us a lot of plot to advance, the idea is if you just keep repeating the same frustrations, the weight of the redundancy will feed what you're feeling. So it's not that Amanda and Peter have had a ton of reasons to distrust or be mad at each other. It's just it's the same fight yeah. now ad nauseum, yeah. which, and this can happen in real life too, but this show does not really emulate real life in that regard. And that's um, why we watch TV to escape real yeah. life. You know, it's yeah, supposed if you're to be real give me life drama, give, me, give me not real life drama, give me TV type drama. Yeah. Um, like they're, Like Amanda and Peter are both being like, stubborn i mean really more peter um and not seeing eye to eye they're they're not aligning but they keep not aligning about the same thing and peter keeps lying about the same thing and it doesn't really matter it's not they're not being pulled apart more they're just being pulled apart over and over again right. is i guess so the best way to put it he, peter still has a shitty practice and he froze up in surgery so he's basically like he's basically loafing around the house all the time amanda is a high powered ad exec and she wants her man to go to work and she's always harping on him and so that keeps going and going and going and they they keep butting heads with that and then you have taylor who you know, is sort of slinking around trying to get Peter's attention and be his quote unquote friend. Um, yeah. You know, and, and Amanda is jealous of Taylor and doesn't like to see them together. And Kyle is jealous of Peter and doesn't like to see them together. And, but they're kind of sneaking around and being together. And, but it's like this sort of like f kind of weird friendship thing where they're constantly talking about the dead sister. And so, so nothing is moving forward. Everything is the same. Like this could have That's been last exactly last right. week. This could That's have been last exactly, or week's two episode. or the week before that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like it just and I'm kind of like okay, we get we get it now. Move on, and and we're not we we okay. We did get one little new nugget of information about the dead yeah, sister, we'll get to but that. that's yeah. it. That's it. That's nothing it. new. We've been given nothing new. Right. It's the same. It's now the same fight with Peter and Amanda. Yeah. Yeah, although Peter is now going to make his living as a golf pro. I mean, did... Well, he wants to try, yeah. Which yeah. I think is fun that they've thrown so much golf in here because Jack Wagner is a big golfer. And so he basically was probably just like, can you let me golf a lot on the show? Yeah, that's why he was like, yeah, you know what? This is I'm like really sick of doing the show, so just like let me golf. <laughs> yeah. Just meet me at the links, do my scenes, and I will continue on mm -hmm. with my right. round. Um, so, okay, at the beginning... Peter gets a call in the apartment and we don't see or hear her, but it's Dr. Shulman, the one who went after Matt. Um, and, and apparently she says he didn't get chief of staff. So he's Never. mad and, and sulky. And he said, he's going to go play golf. And, and the man is like, Oh, is this what you do? You're just good. Like, she's trying to build him up, but she's also like, act like an adult. Like, yeah, don't just sulk, don't just run away. Um, and, like, the one interesting thing, though it's not really milked for a lot more interest, is that while Peter is sulking about, like, his paralyzed career and not knowing what to do, Amanda, for the first time, has, like, real long-term career problems. 
that we've seen. Yes. yes. So she's got it from both sides. And she's dancing as fast as she can to, to keep her toehold at work. Well, she comes home, and even though money is probably not really an issue, there's pride, and there's the mere fact that that Peter isn't working and losing patience or whatever, and like isn't really being um, proactive in in ways to solve the problem. So for him, the answer is golf. Yes, so Amanda doesn't like, like that answer. She doesn't really like it. They kind of leave at odds. He walks out and. Uh, of course, sees Taylor uh, on his way out, and she's like, I just want you to know, uh, don't worry about Kyle. He's not mad at you anymore. He's not going to threaten you anymore. And Peter's like, well, he threatened me last night at the restaurant. And she's like, well, we talked, and he's over it. And he kind of, like, stomps off, because he's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> um, and then we don't see him again until the next morning, right? And it yeah. turns out he was gambling. Yeah. Um, and and Al, uh, Amanda says, well, I was up till 1 a.m. I waited up for you as late as I could. You didn't come home. You were out really late. And why don't we see her in a quick scene sitting at home with a book, watching TV, with a glass of wine, whatever, looking at her watch all perturbed. Um, so to try and mend fences, they plan to have dinner at Kyle's. Um, and all's going well at first during that conversation. Of course, Kyle's like, it's the only joint in town. Yeah. Not even like, let's go to shooter. Like, yeah. you know how you have a problem with Taylor? Let's go to Taylor's husband's restaurant. Yeah, let's go to the um, restaurant where they'll be, you know. And, but at first, they seem to be having a nice dinner until the conversation turns into him. You know, she's trying to make him find options. She says, you don't have to keep doing surgery. You could do research. And he balks at that. And he's like, I'd rather play golf. And she's like, you're not serious, right? Like, for her, she's like, you're a little man and this is your fantasy. I'm trying to bring you back to reality. The reality where I have a glass ceiling and we have bills to pay. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, to make matters better, Taylor comes over and she and Amanda are, like, immediately snide to each other. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember what Amanda said to her. It's something like, I thought there's just two of us at this dinner or something. I don't remember what it is. Yeah, I thought it was a d dinner for two. Yeah. yeah. And, and Taylor, like, stomps off and tells Kyle, she's like, you better see the two of them or else she's going to get a bowl of soup in her lap. And it's like, ooh, the real winner comes out. Um, while Peter and Amanda are still having that meal, he gets a page. So he goes to the, the payphone at the restaurant to answer it. Um, but it was Taylor who paged him. Um, and she comes, the payphone is right next to the ladies' room. I'm assuming yeah. it's the ladies' room. That's the one that Taylor then comes right out of. Um, and, like, sneaks behind Peter from, from, you know, from behind and says, the next day is the anniversary of Beth's death. I'm going to go to the church and light some candles. Will you join me? So he says yes. And yet, before that, again, like I'm saying, there's so much Peter. Kyle has talked to Peter about Peter's golfing. Um, and so he joins Peter and they golf together to sort of like golf their bad feelings away over as a day does. on the lake. Yeah, as one does. And Kyle's apparently new to golfing, but didn't they play in Santa Barbara? I can't quite remember. But yeah, I can't remember, but probably. Anyway, so they end up betting on golf and Kyle wins. Um, and then says, but you don't, you, like, you can pay, take, 
take your time, pay me back because um, I know your practice is, you know, needs time to get back on its feet. And that like is Peter's Achilles heel. So he bristles and gets all pissed off. And, and then he like stomps off again, leaving Kyle. I think there's like three holes left, but, yeah. but Peter just leaves. And then we have another Peter scene because now we have Peter lighting candles at the church with Taylor. Um, and this is the, the new nugget you teased up before, right? The yeah. new piece of information we get. Yes, yeah. Which goes back to what we found out, and I guess it was the first episode of the season, that uh, there was a fake entry. Well, there was an entry in Beth's diary about Beth committing suicide because Peter couldn't do it, and that's what ultimately exonerated Peter after he left town. Taylor admits she put that entry in there. She faked the so. entry. She faked the entry in her dead sister's diary. So then the guitars amp up, and Peter asks a reasonable question, which is, why didn't you tell me this weeks ago? And she's like, don't be mad. I just need you to be here for me. Be my friend. Um, I mean, like, you know, danger signs all over here, Peter, and you're too stupid to see them. Well, and here's the thing with this, right? Like, what is the end game here? Okay, what is the purpose now of having Taylor be the one to write the fake diary entry that gets Peter exonerated. And she sort of says this thing about how I wanted to live with you guys. You guys were yeah. like this sort of like you guys were supposed to save me. And then she died. Like it was something like, like alluding to trouble in the home, um, which I never got that before. I know. I never got that. You know, like, this is something new. And, like, wasn't Taylor away at boarding school or something? And that's why Peter never recognized her. Now all of a sudden yeah, she Yeah, yeah, he didn't so see much, much of her. She to... was, like, considerably younger, yeah. supposedly. Yeah, yeah. And the, but, like, she loved them so much she wanted to live with them. Like, that's how well she knew them. I, the whole thing just doesn't make any sense. And I don't see what the end game is. No, but also, like, this is almost like back to the future kind of plotting because it's basically like she knew then as a teenager to write this entry that would exonerate Peter who had already left the state because she knew years later, even though she had moved cross country and gotten married herself, that she would want Peter. And so the, this could be her ace in the hole to then get him. Like you wouldn't, None of that actually makes sense in a linear, this is how I'm going to live my life sort of way, right? Well, when you put it that way, yeah. So, like, it's, and, but here's my other thing. You know how you say it doesn't make sense, and I agree. I wouldn't care if this were fun. And right, right now, it just feels labored. Right, right. And it's boring. Exactly. It's just boring. There's nothing there's nothing exciting about it. There's nothing interesting about it. Like I would have just loved her to show up with absolutely no backstory and just be like this sex kitten all over Peter. Exactly. That would be far more exactly. interesting than whatever the hell is going on right now. Right. Can't you just move into the one vacant apartment in Melrose place and see a guy who's a little down on his luck, who has friction with his wife and just move in for the kill? And they've already established that Kyle cheated on her in Boston. Exactly. Right? Oh, that was the next thing I was going to say. Especially if you were already mad at your husband who himself had cheated. Right. So why couldn't this be an act of revenge? 
Right. Or an act of, um, or, or even just, you know, obviously something's or, wrong. Or rebounding, so, whatever. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's rebounding. Maybe they should be splitting up. Maybe this is the catalyst. Like, who knows? But, you know, it doesn't, there doesn't, it doesn't have to come with a past, right? We don't exactly. need this past um, with this dead wife who we've never heard of before. You know? <laughs> right. For when Peter had a name we didn't know he had before. Yeah. <laughs> Which they no, none of which has, has seemed to surface again. <laughs> which they've completely dropped that, that he had this yeah. fake name, you know? I mean, it just, I, this thing is like, so this storyline is so off the rails, like I can't even anymore. And like you said, it's not fun. It's not interesting. Um, it It's just painful at this point to watch. And I just need them to get over it. And I feel like they're going to keep plodding along with it too. I don't think that there's an end in sight with this sucker. Yeah. Yeah, although I'm trying to, I, I didn't look it up. We either have one or two more episodes before Christmas. Okay. From when it like aired in real time. Um, and I think we kind of reach uh, like a, what's the word that I want? Inflection point? Well, point I'm, of no return, maybe? I'm kind I think. of wondering, when will things come to a head? Because right now, Kyle and Amanda have absolutely no idea that these two have an association before, you know, Ed, Kyle and Amanda were in the picture, I'm right? Thinking, Was it, I'm it thinking that it's pretty soon. I'm thinking that we're literally, like, one or two episodes away from that. But I just feel like we've waited too long for it. And then even then, is it still, is it going to be, like, kind of like, wah, wah, when we get there? No, I actually think things move, like, the deck gets reshuffled in an entertaining way through the rest of the season. Okay, all right. So we have we, we might have something to look forward to. Yeah. Here's my thing in general about soap coupling. You know, there's this idea that if your couple isn't fighting or if there aren't, like, threats to them, then you don't have a storyline. So you wait a long time and you have your... I'll say man and woman because that's the way it has been in soaps traditionally. You have your your two people come together and then they start facing like their new foe or they you have uh, an affair storyline or something. Yeah. And I think in order to create a super couple, you can have your couples break up, cheat, come back together, whatever it is, but they have to have a period where things are going great and it's smooth sailing right. for us to really ship them. Like we had with Jake and Joe. Right, right, right. And, you know, I'm sort of thinking, it's funny, I'm thinking about daytime soap now and I'm thinking about, um, oh shit, I can't remember what soap opera it was. I mean, it was probably yeah, Days of Our Lives. It was Bo and, and Hope. Bo and Hope, Bo and Hope. And they were always like this united front doing battle with other bads, right? Like they were, right. you know, sometimes right. they were like was... crime fighters and there was always some big bad. Right. That, it was a big they bad. were always up against together. And sometimes they would be split up because the big bad would kidnap or something would happen or right. whatever. And then you would root for them to beat Come that person together. Right. Yes, to reunite. And I and I felt like we needed something we need something like that here with these relationships because we're not getting that at all out of any of these relationships here. Yeah, I mean, the only relationship I'm rooting for is Kyle and Sid, and that's seemingly dead in the water. Yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. And the, the other thing that I was thinking about as we were, we were watching this, and you're absolutely right with the fact that they can't just, like, leave well enough alone, is my first um, my first book, when I, when I sent it to the editor the first time, like, she sent it back to me, and she was like, 
the problem was chapter after chapter, it kept, it was like this relentless onslaught of shit mm. happening, of fights, of um, battles, of like, like every, every chapter there was some, something new and I wasn't giving my main character a chance to step back and breathe, which meant I wasn't giving my readers a chance to step back and breathe. So even though the pacing was really friggin' fast, um, as opposed to what we have right now, which feels really slow, um, it, it didn't allow my, my readers to sort of take a breath and take it all in. And I feel like even though this is moving in a very plotting way, I still feel like they're doing that with the couples where they're right. not giving the couples a chance to breathe and ha and and do normal couple things together um, to let the audience get comfortable with the couples and let the right. audience... And the, the way you couples. do that is you alternate the couples that are happy and the couples that have problems right. so that they're not all at the same time. Right. So that... Michael and Kimberly can be falling apart, but Amanda and Peter can be getting closer together as newlyweds. Right, right. And we learn about Taylor and Kyle, and they can be falling apart, but Allison and Jake can be getting stronger together at the same time. Something you know, like that. Ultimately, without having those, those moments and that time with the couple, we don't care about them now. Because they're always got, they've always got some sort of an issue that is breaking them up. And so ultimately, we're just looking at it like, will you just break up already? Right. Like, when, so when is the inevitable end going to come? Right. Let, let's just have an end because I'm really sick of this. Kind of like with Kimberly. I'm like, would you just die already? Right. Like at this point, just die. You have right. your tumor. I'm, I'm, I, I was dying for a twist with the Kimberly storyline. And I think it's just a really prolonged ch last chapter. We're not going to get the twist. I don't remember there being... I mean, like, I think... I know, I keep I waiting. Feel like, I feel like Michael's going to eventually catch on to more of what's going on, but this is basically the plot we're going to have through the season. Mm. Which, again, like, do you remember... And this was the point I was going to make towards the end of, of this uh, recap, but uh, almost exactly two seasons ago is my favorite episode, the Just Say No episode, so we have this where we're getting little teeny tiny bits of plot per episode. Two years ago, we had Bruce hanged himself in the office. Allison yelled at Amanda. Allison had an intervention. Allison escaped on the way to rehab. Allison checked into rehab. J Kimberly helped Joe deliver the baby. Kimberly stole the baby. Sid was kidnapped in Vegas. Jake and Jane went to Vegas to find her. Jane right. and Michael slept together in that episode. Like, all of that happened in the same episode. <laughs> and, then, and then Sid was having a grand old time when she and was kidnapped. spent all the money on food and dresses, yeah. That was a great episode. <laughs> right? And they were so good at doing that for so long. And that was their hallmark. And now it's like they're really... They took a step back. And they went yeah. to the daytime playbook, which is like... Just, you know, like, plot out the bare minimum and and pace it out as slowly as you can. Yeah. Which is what many of the shows have done, but it wasn't what Melrose did. Like, yeah. this show moved. This show was a true roller coaster. This show right now is like a ride that I could do, because I don't do roller coasters. Um, <laughs> this is so. like the kiddie rides. Yeah. 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 This is basically like, it's a small world. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. I think... Um, there's one last scene for the the storyline. Uh, 
so I don't want to forget to recap it. And I think it's with Taylor and Kyle fighting about Kyle's uh, golfing trip with Peter. Um, that he won the money. Peter, Taylor's coming to Peter's defense about the debt. Yeah, he doesn't have the money. So, again, there's Taylor stumping for Peter instead of talking to her husband. Because um, all you have to do is say, like, hey, why didn't you guys just golf as friends? Don't take anyone's money. You know, like, there's a way to say it and not give yourself away. Right. But she does. And Sid happens to, to walk by the apartment and, and look in and see and hear that. Um, and then Kyle is the one who actually spills the beans to Amanda um, because she's like, by the way, you're late on rent. So he's like, well, okay, this is what I'll give you since your husband owes me all the rest for the next two months. Um, so then Amanda's pissed off and she sees Peter on his way out to golf again. Um, and she throws his golf clubs, symbolically his fantasy, in the pool. Yeah. Um, and that's, of course, right when Michael arrives. Um, and like Grand Norma Desmond Sunset Boulevard fame returning to uh, the complex. Uh, and it's amusing because, of course, it's of all people, Michael seeing Peter get emasculated. Um, but there's not much more to it than that. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only other thing that we could add to this is that Taylor had told Kyle that she wanted to cut her hours back at the restaurant because well, she was getting yes, burnt I'm out. I'm going to touch on that with, when we talk about Sid, but yeah, she does. Okay, because Sid was kind of, I mean, there, I felt like, okay, so we'll just deal with that then later. I mean, we can throw it out now. It doesn't really matter. Uh, okay, we'll just, um, and, and Sid overhears that, and then Sid goes and angles for Taylor's job. Right. Or the the hostess the hostessing job, and um and she ends up talking her way into it with Kyle. Yeah. So at least we have that. Like I was kind of like at least that's yeah. happening. So maybe something good will come. You know, maybe there'll be some good moments there. Yeah, that's a little. Yeah, that's fun. That's uh, my hope. Yeah, I mean, I still think there's fun Sid stuff to come. Oh, I'm sure there is because we love Sid and Sid's always fun. Um, but yeah, so that's actually what I was going to say next, probably. She overhears and talks her way in as a hostess. Quite frankly, I think it's a lost opportunity that we never had Sid talk her way in as like an actual agent, like for actors at an agency or something, given that they are in Hollywood and she's so good at this, even when she pretended to be like fake Sam's agent. Um, what was it? Samuel Kirov? Yeah, I think it was Samuel yeah, like, Kirov. Look, she can talk the talk. Um, that would have been great if she could have somehow actually been like an actual agent, but, but yeah, she declares herself the new part-time hostess. And so she'll be starting very soon. Tomorrow. Yeah. The next night, whenever that is with the Melrose, uh, time warp. Yes. Um, should we talk more about Sid, which leads us to Jane or should we save Jane for the end? Oh, boy. I guess we'll save Jane for the end, and let's just get through Craig, Billy, and Samantha. Yeah, so there's, there's a little bit more of Amanda. But again, as I said, I mean, like, Amanda has now become a supporting player in her own show. Right. And it doesn't last forever, but it's certainly happening right now. Um, the last time I really noticed this happening on a show was on Homeland, when Damian Lewis, who had won the Best Actor Emmy, was basically minimized by the end of the by the beginning of the third season of the show. Because um, it really just became the Claire Danes and Mandy Patinkin show. I remember thinking, I was like, I haven't seen this happen since Melrose Place. Oh. So, 
So, okay. Arthur comes into Craig's office, which was Amanda's office until last week. Um, and, and Craig again says that he's got dirt on his dad. Right. So they're really building this thing up. They're really emphasizing, like, I have a secret, and I'm going to keep mentioning the secret that I have, and then hold off, and then you'll finally know the secret. And inevitably, I find this secret will disappoint or be something we were already able to call. Right. Which is, again, kind of something that daytime does because they have to fill 52 weeks of programming. Not so much something you need to do in TV when you can go nuts. But, but fine. Um, and the only other note I think I had from that scene is David Charvet is so bad. Oh, God, you know, this was so, sort of like, and I know I've defended our Samantha in the past, but this was just scene after scene of Craig, Billy, Samantha. And I was like, they have put the three worst actors on this show together yeah, and nothing like, good can come of this. Worst. Like nothing good can come of this. They are all terrible. Yeah, and they're, yeah, they're kind of dreadful. And at least if you have like, Billy and Allison, like Courtney Thorne Smith can lift that scene up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like she can elevate it. And also <laughs> there's history. If you're going to have some, like even Billy talking to Amanda or Billy talking to Jake, even though it's awkward between them, like they have five seasons worth of history. So there's something to lean on. Craig is new. Sam is new. And Billy is Andrew shoot. Like there's nothing to lift any of them up when they're together. I mean, I was just watching these scenes with them, and I was like, wow, this is, like, this is this is painful. This is painful. The acting is this bad. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad that I'm not alone. And, and, you know, I've been gentle in my kind of making fun of Brooke Langton. But um, what can I say? These people are all not good. No, they are not um, good. So... Billy has a really quick exchange in the office with Craig after Craig has talked to Arthur. Um, and Billy knows about Sam's new studio that Billy that Craig purchased for at the end of last week. Um, and he kind of, I don't know, I don't know why it kind of takes a conversation with Billy for Sam to think that this might really be a quid pro quo arrangement. But Billy visits and, and says, why do you think Craig is doing this for you? And she goes, this is strictly a work thing. Like he's a patron, not right. her boyfriend. Right. Um, Billy leaves, and then Sam. We see her walking right into like the, you know, like the cube area at D and D, and she pulls Craig up. Doesn't even take Craig into the office. She just lectures him right there. But the best part about that is Billy sees Sam lecturing Craig, makes one of his weird Andrew shoe faces, um, and then pays another visit to the loft. Um, who? Sam was apparently sketching someone, but the model had to go. So she's like, Billy, can you fill in? He's like, well, I guess I'm on my lunch hour. And so then he proceeds to pose for her to sketch. With his um, shirt off. Of course he had to take his shirt off and do, yeah. yeah. Because know, we need to have. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, the note that I have here is they're both so stupid, it's like watching two preschoolers. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote, he just keeps on posing. So there you are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, and then the next scene with Sam in in the studio is she is actually finger painting. So you know, <laughs> yeah, 
toddler time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and th- then we see Craig come over again, uh, and that's when he and Sam fight. And she's like, why are you doing this? Um, I so was Billy's... wondering the same thing. <laughs> because again, with her, like, what, like, is he just doing this to, like, irk Billy? Like, again, like, I don't see the point of this. Like, what's the purpose? Like, he's clearly being... Like, 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 it's not, he's not doing this to be kind, and I don't even right. think that he's doing this because, like, he considers her a challenge. And he, like, she's not putting out. He would move on, right? Like, why is he sticking around? Yeah, there's no good reason other than to create this sort of triangle, right? But it's not like, it's not like Sam shot Billy down, saw Craig, and pursued Craig. Craig stumbled onto Sam's doorstep and just decided to go for her. That was all. Right. Like, there was no thunderbolt in any direction. Right. But then, like, he kind of gave a little pressure for her to sleep with him, and she said she turned him down, and he acted like, kind of like that jerky guy who, when you turn him down, is yeah. like, well, I'm never going to call you again. And then he keeps calling her, and he gives her a that's, studio. That's the thing. That's but Usually he- they would just walk out and call her names, but he keeps coming back. Yeah, and but he's still kind of behaving like the jerky guy because you know he gave her the goddamn studio because he wants to get in her pants. But there've got to yeah, be e- like easier ways, right? Absolutely. Or like less expensive ones. I don't know. It just it just all feels kind of. Why would you do all of that? Yeah, and you again, just the idea on. that he might be doing it just to get under Billy's skin doesn't really make sense either because he just met Billy, and Billy's not really his adversary unless he builds Billy up to be that. He does. Like right. he trumps Billy, it doesn't matter. Well, they already well he already knocked Billy down. Like he already right. knocked him down with exactly. with work. Like he just knocked him right off, and Billy is now like back in the pool, you know. Exactly. So yeah, so this whole thing doesn't make any sense, and it's not interesting, and all the acting is terrible. Agreed. Cosine, okay. as the kids say. Cosine. Um, and there's one other scene with Amanda where she just last week was when Arthur. Oh, yes. It listed her to like spy on Craig and and that he filed a lawsuit against Craig because Craig has taken over D and D. And apparently in the intervening week, Arthur has decided to drop the lawsuit because Craig has blackmailed his dad with this secret they're dangling in front of us. So and then Arthur basically just threatens Amanda again. He belittles her, he's misogynistic. And it's like, why did we even need any of this in the first place? Enlisting Amanda for one episode where all she and Craig did was have dinner and go dancing doesn't do anything. Right. Well, what I'm hoping is that this means Amanda is finally going to go out on her own and start her own agency. Because this whole D&D thing is just, again, like, it's, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not interested. And I think what yeah. we need to see is maybe her opening up her own agency and eviscerating D&D. Like, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Pitch meetings and winning. Event. Yeah, like then she'll have a, rival, a rivalry with Craig that makes sense. Because right now, right. Th- yeah, there's a rivalry, but at, at the end of the day, they're both on the same team, right? Like they're both working for the same company and they can be cutthroat with trying to win over people. But ultimately, like Craig owns majority share. She's not going to win. It's, that's just it. She can't win. Even being right and being talented doesn't right. matter. Quite frankly, right. if she were a man, she couldn't win either. Right, right. He is majority shareholder. He owns yeah. the joint. 
Like she can't win. The only way that she can do battle and win is if she goes out and opens her own agency and starts poaching all the clients. And thrives. Exactly. And thri- yeah. And that's what I want to see happen because right now this just isn't interesting. No. So that's it. That's, that's, that's the Amanda story. Um, I can summarize Matt and Jake and Allison in like two seconds. Yeah. This was like Allison's only scene. Yeah, literally one scene, but also a weird one. Um, yeah. Matt, oh, go ahead. Did we still know, did we even know that Matt worked at Shooters? I can't keep track of when he's working there and when he has quit and when he is back. I, I okay. think we've gone round and round that. Because I was like, surprise! <laughs> well, Matt has a surprise of his own, right? <laughs> Matt asks... I, like, I thought the scene was going to go somewhere else, and but it doesn't. Matt is asking at Shooters, asks Allison about Dan, who's being kind of smothering. Um, and then he's like, well, uh, I, I'm too busy, so can I just quit? And But he's asking Allison. He's not asking Jake. And he's also like, like this is a super abrupt plan he's not giving any notice or much reason he's just like so i'm gonna stop like like stranding people who you know that might have to pick up his shifts that sort of thing um but what it ultimately leads into is um allison tells jake what matt just asked matt and dan are both at the bar so Jake goes back over to the bar and is kind of giving Matt a hard time about just quitting. And that's when Dan. Did I lose you? Mm-mm, I'm still here. Oh, oh, I see. My iPod is doing something weird. So oh. you, can you hear me right now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I am hearing you through my computer, but not through my AirPod. But I'm just going to keep talking. Okay. Okay. Um, Dan starts to get defensive for Matt and kind of like starts puffing up his chest in front of Jake who is able to just kind of calm the whole situation down. Be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, who wouldn't be? But yeah, it's another example of Dan acting up. Right. And that's all we get of Allison and Jake, if if I remember. Yeah, I think it is. Like, I don't even think they show up at Melrose Place. I think that's a... And Jake yeah, is just kind of... Just the one scene. Yeah. Yeah. And Jake is clearly not a fan of um, of, of okay. Matt's boyfriend, of what's his name. Yeah. yeah. Clearly not a fan. And that's kind of where we leave it. And I think he tells Matt to, like, be careful or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, so there's a little foreshadowing going on there. Yeah. I, I think there's only one other scene with Dan and uh, Matt, and that's in the hospital. Um, where yeah. Yeah. Where Dan has apparently yanked Matt out of his rounds just to demand that Matt move in with him. Um, and he said, How warning bells are not going off in Matt's head at this point is beyond yeah. me, but okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, I thought there was going to be a conversation with Allison that was like a cry for help. But that's not what it is. No, that's not what it is. No. And I think what Dan's character is trying to say to persuade Matt to move in with him is that like I love you so much or I love you more than anyone I've ever known but he says I have a lot of colleagues and friends and some of them are very close which is weird but I guess what he means is 
none of them are as close as you are to me. So I want you to live close with me in my quarters. I guess, although I was wondering if he meant I have a lot of colleagues in, like, at first, well, when he first started saying it, I thought he was going to, like, it was sort of like, I have a lot of colleagues and right. friends and I can skate you through your med school and you don't have to worry uh, about the rounds. Uh, oh, okay. Like, that's, but, but that, you're right, that's kind of not where it ended up. You know, it just kind of ended up, but you're the only one I want to be with. So I'm like, so you sleep with all of your colleagues and friends? Right. Right. I'm like, what does this mean? Yeah, we keep, well, regardless, we keep changing him because he just he keep, keeps coming darker and darker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Matt's changing, too. And there's not quite, we haven't quite seen the reason for it, I guess I want to sort of say, like, I, because they, they're not showing us much. Um, but it seems like Matt is kind of being a little cowering, a little... I'm getting some feedback from me. I can hear. It's making it hard to talk. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just... Whatever. It's, I, I'm just not there with the storyline again. Hey, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Are you? Did I? Oh, I'm sorry again. My my AirPod went on the fritz. So could you just repeat the last thing you said? Yeah, I don't even remember what that was. It was something about Matt cowering. Oh well, yeah. With Matt, sort of. He he's he's like we haven't seen the reason. We haven't seen why Matt should cower. Do, do you oh. know what I mean? Like we haven't seen that yet. But he is already behaving as though he's being in some sort of abusive relationship. I agree. That, and we like, haven't quite seen that. You're, you're right that we, while they may be intimating and our spidey sense is telling us this, we haven't seen Matt put two and two together. To right. Think. Nor have we gotten a scene of Matt saying, like, I'm just so desperate to be in a relationship, I'll do anything. Right. To, to give us a, a different reason for him to stay. Right. And cower. Right. Right. Um, also, I, and I hate to say this, but it's another episode where I think Doug Savant has trouble selling it. Yeah. I'll buy that. It was when, it, you know, when Matt is nice and put upon, it's one thing. But when he is trying to be really sexy or strung out or now... Um, you, you, you subordinate in some way like it's reads as false yes which I guess leads us to Jane <sighs> <laughs> tell us how you feel Karen you know she's still searching for mom right like she's still searching for her mother and so yeah quest for mother quest for mother and she finds her kind of easily you know um going from that i guess collector the autograph collector guy yeah, the, or what yeah, like the exactly. memorabilia shop um and finding the photo and her name and then going to a retirement home to talk to a director who knew her which leads her to this fancy Brentwood home eventually yeah. um, after her mom stands her up for lunch and says come you know and Sid shows up at the lunch um, and is basically like you're my sister I, mean, I don't understand where this sisterly love from Sid is coming from because it's like you know she basically tried to ruin Jane's life about a hundred times um, and now she's like you know 
pulling the sister card, but whatever, it's fine. It's Sid and we love her. So she can pull the sister card if she wants. Um, you know, so she shows up and, and she's, she's like, I'm going to be here for you when this woman doesn't show up. Well, the woman doesn't show up, but the woman does say, come meet me at my house, you know, my fancy Brentwood house the next day. And of course, yeah, Jane the shows woman up. Has, she calls the maitre d' while Jane yeah. and Sid are there and delivers the message. Yeah. And of course, Jane shows up and it's this big fancy house and her mother looks very glamorous and her mother invites her in for tea, but ultimately rejects her and says, I have Not a family. Ultimately, immediately. Immediately, yeah. They have, this whole, they have this whole meet and greet. They sit, she pours her tea. And then the next thing she says is, I don't want you to be a part of my life. It's like, well, then why'd you bother? Right. I already have a, I already have a life. I have adult, you know, I have... I have a I have a new family and they don't know about you, so go away. And so Jane kind of cries, get, gets up and leaves, and then then we pan the tro the, the the camera pans on you know on Donna Mills, and just and she's just kind of staring into the camera, and looking very sad. So you know whatever she just said to Jane, she doesn't mean. She doesn't. Yes, it's a front. It's a front. So Jane being Jane goes back to the fancy Brentwood house the very next day because I guess she's not taking no for an answer from yeah. this woman. And um, knocks on the door and the guy that answers it, she's like, is your mother home? And he's like, what are you talking about my mother? You know, and and she basically says, well, um, Sherry. And he said, oh, that's my dad's secretary. She was yeah. staying at the house while we were away. And, we were, and it was like, What? So it turns out that Sherry just lives in like this crappy studio apartment, probably in the valley. Yeah. Um, and Jane shows up there and her mom is completely embarrassed. Um, but I still don't understand why she pretended to be what she wasn't. Yeah, and I, I think she's actually going to say more about that next week, but it's not much. It's like, well, I just wanted you to think that I was successful and I wanted to push you away, that sort of thing. Right, which makes no sense. No, it doesn't really make sense. But back to what you said at least two or three times about Jane being Jane, what I think you mean is Jane being selfish. Because the whole thing is like, Jane's completely forsaken her parents who raised her and her, si her, <laughs> and her sister who while they had lots of problems, has very recently been good to her, at least. Um, and it's like, it's so stupid. Like, she, just taking no for an answer to find this this birth mother, like, she's going to be able to solve this riddle that's dangling over Jane. There is none. Her mom gave her up. Jane's had bad luck. That's it. Right. It, one has nothing to do with the other. Right. Yeah. So... Yeah. So, yeah, I will say I think Donna Mills is a good match to play Jane's birth mother. Physically. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Just like I think Gail Strickland is a great match to play Sid's birth mother. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, that's pretty much, that was the episode, and that's pretty much all I've got. Um, you know, we will continue to revisit i think the fact that the show is moving much slower than it used to on an episode to episode basis but but here we are um and the only other thing is that 
all of our heroines are in some sort of distress <laughs> this season. Like, they're all suffering. Kimberly literally is dying. Amanda has this now terrible marriage. Jane has been raped and kind of lost her mind and now found out she is adopted and is kind of all at sea again. Sid thought she might have finally had a shot with Kyle and there's nothing there. Um, Allison doesn't have a story. Like, they're all suffering in some way. Sad, sad ladies. Um, so yeah, I mean, all of those storylines are kind of full of pity in one way or another. Yeah, Jake needs to have, like, a ladies' night so that these folks can get some free drinks or something. Yeah, well, they will be free because Matt's not working to serve any of them, so he can't charge them. <laughs> uh... Anything else on your mind about the episode? No, I'm done. All right. That's how we feel, guys. We are done. But we wish you well, and we hope you will give us five stars. We love the five stars. And we hope we will see you again. I'm sure, I mean, every week feels like a year, but we hope that we see you, (laughs) that we hear from you again next week when we are back on the block. Bye. Bye. Bye.